If you weren't with us last week, real quick, let me recap what we, what we were doing last week, and then we'll jump into week two this week. So last week, we, a, we answered a question, how am I going to be, become godly? How am I going to become godly? Paul is writing a letter to the Galatians. He's actually, this is probably one of his most intense letters that he's ever written because he's very disturbed by these new Christians because they have begun to believe what he called a different gospel. What happened was is that Paul went into these churches, started these churches, preached the gospel. All of these Gentile people were getting saved. And then all of these Jewish men from Jerusalem were coming in and going, hey, listen, I know Paul said you need to get saved. You need to, you know, what he said, that's good, but it's not good enough. You need to be doing more. You need to be adding something. And so they were telling these new Gentile Christians that if they were going to really, truly follow God, that they were going to have to follow the Jewish dietary law, which means no pork, no sausage, no, definitely no boudin, okay, none of that. How um, I many know that is ungodly? That's no crackling, ungodly. Um, so back in those days, those were cons- considered unclean, and you couldn't eat those things, and so you're going to not, you can't, can't have pork anymore, no more, no more, you know, meat lovers' pizzas, none of that, can't be doing that kind of stuff. And then they're like, oh, and by the way, you got to get circumcised. Wait, come again? You got to what? Yeah, you got to get circumcised. You're like, oh, awesome. So Paul is is coming in and going, no, 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 listen, this isn't performance mentality. These guys are saying that in order to have a right standing with God, you've got to have a certain type of performance. You got to do stuff. And Paul's upset because they're they're following this different gospel. And so last week we dove into the difference between religion, which religion is – uh, is, is Jesus plus whatever, Jesus plus reading your Bible, or Jesus plus church attendance, or Jesus plus good works, or whatever that is. And Paul's going, no, it's just Jesus, just faith in Jesus. And so we looked at the difference between religion and, and the gospel and how religion really is all about duty, and, and, and the gospel is all about relationship, how religion is all about I have to, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to be this way in order for God to love me. And the gospel is all about, I want to. I want to do this. God's done so much for me, I, I want to. I want to read. I want to attend church. I want to, I want to be involved in what he's doing. And so I want us to read real quick in Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 11 here. And we're going to read through uh, for a minute. And we're going to get into week 2 today. And we're going to answer this question. How do I keep from going back to my old life? How do I keep from going back to my Old life. Galatians chapter 2. If you're there, say I'm there. You got notes. You definitely should be there. All right. Galatians chapter 2. We'll put it on the screen too for you. And it says this. It says, when, but when Cephas. Now, you can actually just underline in their circle and write beside it Peter. That's actually Peter. He's got two different names. It's kind of like a nickname. You know, got a one name, but he likes to be called a different name. This is Peter. So when Peter, we'll just say Peter for Cephas so you're not confused. When Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul speaking, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back. Now, that's going to be a big thing that we're going to talk about in just a minute. He drew back and he separated himself. Now watch this, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct, that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, 
How can I force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? All right, let's pray, and then let's dive into this. Father, we love you. God, illuminate your word today. Show us Jesus. God, I pray that you would take this word of God, and you would make us more into the people of God by making us more like Jesus today. God, help me. I pray that you would give each person in here ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever had an awkward moment? Let me, let me give you, oh, just wait. Um, let me give you a couple different awkward things that I've, I've had transpire in my life. Have you ever had the awkward moment where you are maybe at a place, at a restaurant, at an event or something, and you look across the room and someone's waving and you're waving at them and then they're like, They kind of put their hand down. You're like, what's going on? And you look behind you and someone else was, they weren't waving at you. They were waving at somebody else. You've ever had that? You've ever had that happen before? That's awkward. That's awkward. That's awkward. How about the uh, the time? This is maybe more for men because women don't really shake hands this way, but it gets really awkward when you go to shake. This happens on Sunday almost all the time. You go to shake someone's hand and they do a fist bump, but you do the shake hand. And so you, you're like, oh, what do I do? So you do the fist bump, but then they go to shake hands and you're like, this is all, this is just awkward. So you just hug. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, let's just get over with this. This is, this is crazy. Um, this is one that's happened to me a lot is, um, well, it doesn't happen as much often, but how many have ever sent, maybe this is husbands or even wives done this, you've, you've meant to send a text to your wife, but instead somebody texts you before that and you just start typing to your wife and you had two conversations going on at the same time and then you accidentally sent something you were saying to your wife to somebody else. Anybody ever had that happen before? That's awkward. Then you got to go back and explain yourself, especially if you were like trying to be sweet with your wife. You're like, I did not mean that to you. I can't wait to get home and see you. No, I don't. Did not mean that to you. I apologize. What's going on here? Um, This one happened to me a couple years ago. Some of our friends in here got to encounter this one. Um, we were we just got done eating at a restaurant with a, a group of friends, and and we're walking out, and I'm turning around talking to somebody, and and so I turn around to go and and walk out the door, and I put my put my hand behind my wife, which I thought was my wife, <laughs> soon to find out it was not my wife. I was high though; I didn't go low, and I didn't I didn't cup like I normally do. It was like a flat, like, come on, let's go, baby. And then, I was, and then she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Awkward. Awkward moment. I don't think any other awkward moments, though, trump the, the, the moment where you have to go to the bathroom at somebody else's house and the toilet doesn't want to go down. It wants to go up. It doesn't want to go down. And y'all know, I may be the only one here. I know, don't. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. And you want, and there's really no, there's no like cool way to ask for a plunger. You know, you kind of want to be like, 
hey, I was passing by the toilet and I saw that it was like going over. And so I wanted to do you a favor. Could I find a plug? You know, you kind of want to play it off as if it was somebody else. Or the worst is when you go in and it smelled really bad and you come out and it wasn't you, but somebody comes in after you and they think it was you. Y'all with me here? And you want to like on your way out go, that was not me. You kind of want to set, y'all know what I'm talking about? It's, It's awkward, awkward. And what's happening here is actually in the book of Galatians, in the the verses that we just read, we are encountering what is an extremely awkward moment. Extremely awkward moment. Paul is confronting Peter because Peter is doing something that is totally out of line of Peter's character. What what happened was, is that in in this time and, and setting, Paul is... He's, he's there, and then he leaves for some reason. We don't know where he goes, but he goes somewhere. And when he leaves, Peter and, and, and is, is hanging out with, with all of the Gentiles. It, it, imagine like a school cafeteria. You're walking into a school cafeteria, and, and, and you got all the different little cliques that are going on. And, and Peter would, went and, and, and intentionally began to sit down with all of the outcasts, all of the rejects, everybody that everybody says, don't, don't sit with those guys. Peter's chilling out, hanging out with all these guys, eating dinner with them. I mean, he's a Jew. They're a Gentile. But it's, it's no big deal because he, he realizes that these are new Gentile Christians. They love Jesus. God's done a lot of things. And he's there. He's hanging out with them. And then all of a sudden, what ends up happening is in walks into the cafeteria all these other Jewish high-wig guys. And Peter sees these guys and decides to get up from the table and go sit down with all of his Jewish friends. And, and, and what he doesn't know is that Paul sees it all. Paul sees what's going on. And Paul walks in and says, dude, what's going on, man? What's up? Just a minute ago, you were, you know, sharing pepperoni, meat lover's pizza over here with Gentiles. And now you're over here like, oh, I don't eat that stuff. Like, what's going on? And Peter is getting confronted by Paul. See, the, the table, eating with, with people in those days was a very central component to friendship and relationship. It's not like dinner now. Like dinner now is like, it's all about speed. It's all about price. We don't, we don't rotate our lives around the dinner table. But in these days, you... The people that you ate with said a lot about you and said a lot about the people that, that, that you do life with. I mean, we actually see in the, in the Gospels, Jesus is often rebuked for what? Eating with sinners. I mean, it's a constant thing that the Pharisees were all, would always be outside and go, what's up with Jesus eating with all these prostitutes? What's going on here? And he was always getting condemned for, for what he did. And, and Peter was hanging out with Gentiles until this group of of Jewish guys came in, and when they came in, he hurried up and picked up his tray and ran over to the cool table and left these guys in the middle of that. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I can have a tendency myself to, in a sense, swing from believing the gospel, living the gospel, to just this whole other side of really living out of self, doing my own thing. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. You know, I, I usually try to get up earlier than my, my boys and, and my family in the mornings to spend time with Jesus because, I mean, you know, you ain't spending time with Jesus at all when kids are awake. And um, 
And so, you know, that's usually kind of what I try to do. I try to get up earlier. We have our, our homeschool room, which has a chair in there, and I'll just go sit in there and read and spend time with the Lord and, and all of that. And <clears throat> it, it never fails that while that's going on, I'm spending time with the Lord and closing my Bible and been praying for you and praying over different situations and just, man, just feel like, man, I can take on the day that I walk out the door, the boys are awake and the bickering starts and the fighting starts and, and I'm coming out like, thank you, Jesus. I love you. What the heck? <laughs> you, you, you get in here. You know what I mean? Like I can so quickly come like out of the spirit of God and then all of a sudden, like this flesh just rises up inside of me and I can jump right back into just this fleshly dude. Anybody experience that so quickly? You leave church, you're like, God bless the Lord. Somebody cut you off, you're like, what the heck? <laughs> it's going to happen. Now that I said it, it's going to happen. As you leave out of here, you're going to be like, I love Jesus. Get out of my way. So the key question that we've got to ask in all this is, is how do I keep from going back to my old life? Because that was old Josh. Josh flew off the handle a lot in things. I, you know, I, I, I have a tendency to be extremely selfish, extremely prideful. That's, that's the old Josh. And, but I, I tend to have this vine where I swing right back over to it. And I don't want to, but I, I do. And this message, I think, is really going to be dedicated to all of those in here that feel that tension between wanting to honor God and living this joy-filled life full of God and then this other side of duty and rule base and flesh and all of that. This is not a message. Let, let me kind of preface this before we really dive into this. This isn't a message that you preach if you're trying to add a lot of people to your church. This is the kind of message you preach because you love the people in your church and you want them to grow. So let me just start out by saying, I love you. Now let's get to work. Other than your decision to follow Jesus, I believe what I'm about to teach you will probably have the most greatest impact in your daily decision making ever. If you will take what I'm going to share with you today and, and instill this into what you do in your daily walk with the Lord, I can almost guarantee you, you'll never go back. You'll never go back. So through this story, we're going to read a couple different scenarios and we're going to extract some principles that I believe that Paul is wanting to get across to not only to the Galatians, but to us. And so if you got your notes with me, let's, let's, let's write some notes down. So number one is this, we've got to come to terms with this. My acceptance and my approval comes from God. My acceptance and my approval comes from God. Let's look back in Galatians chapter two, looking in verse 12, it says this, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back separated himself, now watch this, fearing the circumcision party. The crazy thing is Peter is pretending to be something he's not in order to win the approval of people he actually disagrees with. It's wild. He's acting the part of what is called a hypocrite. And the reason he's being hypocritical is because he's fearful. And he's not fearful of God, he's fearful of people. 
He's afraid of these, this circumcision party. The word hypocrite, if you were to actually get a definition of it, it means stage actor. That's what it means. A hypocrite is a stage actor. It's, it's what they would use in casting calls if, if they were to, to you know, have a movie or a play or something in this area and they did a casting call and all to come out and dry out for the parts. And if you were to try out for a part and you were to actually get the part, they would say, you are a hypocrite. And that in those days was great because that means you got the part. And what that meant was that while on the stage you played Bob, that was your part. And then when you got off the stage, you were back to Tom. And a hypocrite is actually that. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a facade. It's a fakeness. It's putting on a show. And what's happening here is Peter is putting on a show. And if you've ever found yourself to be pretending to be somebody that you're actually not, it's actually extremely exhausting. It's extremely exhausting. You know, growing up in, in, in high school, I, I went to private schools my entire life, which I'm, I'm so grateful for, um, that I, I got a great education and all that. But I don't know if you know anything about private schools. They can be just as bad, if not worse, than public schools. And the pressure there in high school, just in, in general, and man, I pray for a lot of our high school and junior high and even elementary students here because the pressure that I felt in high school is like three times larger now, even the pressures that they face in, in, in this current culture. But growing up, I just remember, like, I had to have all the cool clothes. I had to have the right labels. How many of you know you had to have the right labels? It was all about the labels that you wore. Like, you had to have the right label on your shoe. Like, Payless wasn't getting by in high school, okay? It had to be a Nike, or in my day, it had to be the Reebok with a pump. Y'all remember that? Man, I saw they're coming back out with that. I might have to get some. Um, they, got, they got the pumps in them. I mean, like, it had to be like that. God, I, my mom, I'm so sorry for her now, because I would always cry for those shoes. I had to have those shoes because I, I bought into this, like, if I don't have those, nobody's going to like me. We, this is a lie that we, we buy into. All of my decisions were, were laced with an underlining questions of what will they think? What will they think? What will they think of these jeans? What will they think? And, and you look back at, how many of you look back at the way you dressed and your hairstyle back in junior high and high school? And you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Maybe y'all know what I'm talking about? And we'll probably 10 years from now look back at now and go, what were we thinking? I mean, it just, it happens. Trends change, but yet we change because we want to, See what people are thinking. Will they like me if I do this? Will, they help with this? Will this help me fit in if I get this? Now, to give some transparency, uh, this is something that I wish I could say stopped at high school. Once I got out of high school, I was like, I don't care what people think now. That wasn't the case. It actually, I, you know, I assumed that when I would become a preacher, all that would, you know, I just love Jesus. I wouldn't care about what people think anymore. But that's actually the opposite of the truth. I cared more about what people thought as I became a pastor. I wanted more people to accept me, more people to love me. I wanted to receive the applause of people saying, that was a good job. It's a good message. I wanted to be, and, and here's the thing that you don't realize for pastors, if you, if you don't understand humility and you don't understand that you are a vessel that God uses, when you get that, it's highly addicting, like drugs. And so you begin to, 
do everything that you can to crave that, to get that for your own self-esteem, to make yourself feel good. Write this down. Becoming obsessed with what others think is the fastest way to forget what God thinks. Becoming obsessed with what others think is the fastest way to forget what God thinks. And, and, and for, for me, because I lived by people's approval and acceptance, when I didn't get it, then I felt like a failure. I felt like I didn't add up. I felt like I didn't do enough. And then when I did get it, I felt extremely proud and, and boasting in my giftings and in my skills. Y'all see the danger of both sides When you care so much about about what people think more than what God thinks, it's going to either lead you into pride or it's going to lead you into despair. And that's the same way with how the gospel is because if we're not understanding that the gospel is a free gift that God came on our behalf as we were wretched sinners and he came and he imputed his righteousness on us and he took on all of God's wrath and he did all that, that wasn't because we're awesome. That is the gospel. But if we're not careful, we'll go over to the religion side, which is I'm good because of X, Y, and Z. Or you go to the other side and go, God can't forgive me because X, Y, and Z. And you think that somehow that the blood of Jesus just can't cover all of your mess ups. And so this idea of pleasing people, it's really idolatry at its core. Pleasing people is us telling God, I care more about what other people think than you do. And let me say this, you will never receive love in that place of being fake, pleasing people. You'll never receive love. And let me tell you why you'll never receive love. Because any love or acceptance that you get, that you receive, you'll have to go through the filter of knowing they don't really know who I am. And if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't be loving me. Are y'all with me here? So if you're fake and people are loving you, you can't receive that love genuinely because you're in the back of your mind thinking, if they really knew who I was, they really wouldn't be loving me. So no one can ever love you because you're fake. And that's how I was. I was so fake. So fake. Needing people's approval, needing people's acceptance, coming to this place of, God, I I'll, I need your approval and your acceptance more than anybody else's. And Paul actually talks about this in the first chapter. Go look with me. In, in Galatians 1, verse 10, Paul, Paul don't care what anybody thinks. I mean, Paul, he says, man, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people. I'm trying to win the approval of God. And if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And Paul's saying, listen, if I'm in this to win people and, and win friends, like, <laughs> I'm going to lose I'm all in this to to win what God has to say. I'm all in this to to do what God wants me to do. And and, and that's why he could write a letter like Galatians that was so intense and and seemed so offensive. And yet he, he goes, I don't care what you think about me. I'm just telling you with grace and truth that you need to get this right. And so often in our lives and so often in my life, I can see myself swing over to this old self of needing people's approval and needing people's acceptance and needing people to validate that, that I am who I am and that, that I'm okay. And are y'all with me here? We, we all do this. Let me show you. 
wrote down a list of questions that you can process and even begin to process through this week on how do I know if there is some people pleasing inside of my heart? Here's some questions. Do you find yourself consumed with what people think? Are you making decisions that aren't true to who you really are? Do you spend more time on your public profile than your personal relationships? That, that, this is how you know. Do, do more people know who you are online than they know you in real life? Because, I mean, you know, like in Facebook and Instagram and all that, we can just portray whatever we want ourselves to be. We can be as awesome as we want. Do you take most criticism personally? If there is criticism against you as, as a mom or as a dad or as a provider, as a whatever, do you, do you take it personally all the time? Do you feel an extraordinary fear of rejection? Do you find it hard to express the true feelings because you don't want to hurt others? So do you have a tendency not to tell people what you really think because you don't want to hurt them? Do, do you have a hard time saying no? Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this. It says, the fear of man has, lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. See, the fear of God is the only cure for the fear of people. Write that down. The fear of God is the only cure for the fear of people. Now, let me just say this. Fear of God is not like, oh, my God, I'm so afraid of God. No, no, no. Fear of God is a holy awe and reverence for who God is. You go to the Grand Canyon and you just see the bigness of it, the, the majestic of it. You go to the beach and just see how big it is. And you, you, this is what you feel. You feel this big. And you realize that God loves you this much, even though you're just this big in this whole planet system. You know, with me? That's like the fear of God. Like, oh my God, God, you are so so much bigger than I can even imagine. And you have this awe and this reverence. And, and when we have that awe and that reverence from God and receive our approval and our acceptance from God, we won't be trapped into the fear of people because here's the deal. You can't please everyone, but you can please God. They left you hanging. I'm sorry. All right. See, God's approval... This is where the gospel comes in, and Paul's wanting to push them here. God's approval liberates us to live in a way which God approves of you. The gospel is both powerful assurance and powerful motivation for us to live this life he's called us to live. We don't live God's way in order to become children of God, but we live God's way because we are children of God. I, and I'm telling you, this, this comes all the way back to last week. You've got to go back to last week if you haven't la- heard last week. You've got to get your approval and your acceptance from God. And I'm going to tell you, more people in here deal with people-pleasing than we care to admit. We all struggle with it. We all wrestle with it. We all swing back over to that vine. And so we've got to come with this idea that, that my approval and my acceptance comes from God. That is the gospel. Number two, my faith and my fears are contagious. My faith and my fears are contagious. Galatians 2.13, let's continue the story. So when, when, when Peter pulled back, when he drew back and, and he separated himself from the Gentiles, notice what happens when he does that and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along, what does it say? With him. 
so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Peter, withdrawing and stepping back from the Gentiles, going, no, you guys are unclean. I don't know why I'm, I, ain't, I ain't hanging out with you. What? Peter, I thought we were homies, man. I thought we were cool. What's, no, you're not cool. Guess what? All of the other guys that looked up to, this is the Apostle Peter now we're talking about, a big dude in the church. They looked at Apostle Peter and said, well, the Apostle Peter's doing that. And guess what? Then we must mean you be doing that. And all of the Jews got up from the table and said, you know, you're not cool either. We're going to sit over here. And even Barnabas did the same thing. And I'm here to tell you that people are watching you. They're watching you. And our faith and our fears are both contagious. Any of you, you know, Lindsay and I, talk about this all the time because, you know, with my boys, I'm always trying to get them to be more courageous and to not be afraid of, to try different things. And you ever, ever notice that depending on what your attitude is really depends on how they take on whatever challenge it is. So if you're like, Ooh, be careful. They're like, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, you can do it. Let's go. And they're like, Oh, you know? So based off of how we are in our home, whether we're full of faith, guess what our kids will be? Full of faith, for full of fear and, and, and worry. And you know what well, you know what our house is gonna be? Worry and fear. It's contagious. It's contagious. Contagious in a good way and contagious in a bad way. Let me show you how it's a contagious in a good way. Watch this. So in Acts chapter 10, if you go and you read in Acts chapter 10, this is way before Galatians chapter chapter 2, the, the, there's the story of Peter. And Peter is a Jew, and we know at that time in Acts chapter 10, Gentiles did not receive the gospel. The the gospel was not for the Gentiles at that time. There was a separation. It was only for the Jews. But there's this big defining moment that happens. Peter has a dream on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa, and he has this dream. And and, and in this dream, as he's, he's, he's... sunbathing on the top of this roof, all of a sudden a, a sheet comes down and in that sheet is all these different animals in this sheet. And, and, and it's, it's all unclean animals. Bunch of pigs and shellfish and all this different stuff. There's all these different animals. And, 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 and God tells him, Peter, you can eat this stuff. And Peter goes, oh, no, 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 no. That's, 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 that's unclean stuff. I can't touch that stuff. And God says, what, what, what? look what he says. Look in verse 28. Peter told them, you know, it's against the law for a Jewish man to enter into a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. So what happened was, is that as he was having this dream, watch what happens. As he's having this dream going, no, I can't touch this. I can't touch this. That's unclean. As he's having, the Bible says that he has this dream three times. God says, no, it's clean. If I clean it, you can have it. It's clean. This is clean people. And he's speaking over the Gentile people. They're clean. I, I want those people. As he's doing that, a knock's on the door. As the dream is happening, he opens the door. And who's at the door? Does anybody know? Right as he's having his third, de- third dream, a servant of a Gentile general in the Roman army named Cornelius, a Gentile servant of a Gentile Roman, armor, uh, uh, Roman centurion is, is at the door. And she said, hey, my boss said for me to come and get you and that you could come to my house. Do you think that that might be a little confirmation to what the dream was? <laughs> okay. So he goes to the house, and this is verse 28. It says, you know it's against our laws. Now Paul is in this house with all these Gentiles. Remember, Gentiles did not have the gospel at all. 
And I mean, I'm, excuse me, Peter is in there. And Peter tells them, you know, it's against all of our laws for Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Even as Peter was saying these things. Now watch this. As he's saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. So here's the deal. Peter got the revelation. Gentiles are not unclean. I want the gospel to go forth to them. And he got that. And then he went and he preached the gospel and Gentiles got saved. And he's like, this is awesome. This is awesome. The next chapter after in Acts chapter 11, read this in verse two, when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, remember in Galatians, where did those guys come from? Those guys came in from Jerusalem. In Galatians 1 and 2, all that are stirring up all this stuff, that's Jerusalem dudes. It's all these Jewish guys. Now watch, he goes back to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 11. Watch what happens. The Jewish believers, what did they do? They criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and you even, where, there it is again, what? You ate with them, they said. So here it is. Peter's got all this criticism now for what he's done. And if you go and you continue to read it, he's like, listen, if the Holy Spirit is saving people, then what is it for us to stop it? He's doing his thing. If he says white is, white is good and black is good and poor is good and rich is good, and he's saying we're all one and everybody deserves the gospel, then what am I to stop it? Now, he says all that, but then you go to Galatians chapter 2, and what's he doing? The revelation that God gave him that everything is clean, now he's going, uh, distancing himself from the people that God used him to save. Let me show you what this would be like. This would be literally like me or Pastor Bubba get up here and preach, and all are welcome. Listen, if you struggle with sin, come on, you're welcome here. God's here for you. And then the next Sunday, getting up and going, all of you are not welcome. All of you need to get out. That's, that's a hypocrite. That's saying one thing and doing another. That's playing the game. Y'all with me here? And that's what Peter's doing. So now you know why Paul is ticked off. He's mad. He's so mad. And what, we, what he's even more mad is the fact that not only is he doing it, but he's gotten all of his posse to do it. And everybody's following him. And we've got to understand this. Listen, you've got to wake up every morning and realize that my faith and my fears are contagious. So when you go into your work and you start spewing faith, guess what? You're speaking faith into an environment. You go in and start speaking fears, guess what? You're going to get fears. Don't be surprised that the people that you hang out with, you take on whatever they have. If they're all afraid of the economy and all the news, guess what you're going to be? Have you ever watched the news? Have you ever watched the news and been like, I'm glad I watched the news? Most people know because what you listen to and what you hear is contagious and it gets in you and then it becomes you. Y'all with me? And so your faith, that's why it's so important for us to come in and hear the word of God because the word of God is contagious just as much as lies of the enemy are contagious. And we want to take the truth of God and beat it up against every lie that the enemy has to say. And we're going to take we're going to take back the chains that, that the enemy's putting on us with fears, and we're going to fill it with faith. Amen. That would have been a good place to say amen, but that's okay. All right, we'll keep going. So my faith and my fears are contagious. Number three, my relationships help determine my direction. 
My relationships help determine my direction. Galatians chapter 2, look in verse 14. It says, but when I saw that their conduct, now watch this. Now, Paul's seen this all go on. So, so Paul could have just lovingly stepped back and said, you know what? He'll figure it out. Let's, he's all good. <laughs> but Paul loved Peter so much and loved the gospel so much that watch what he does. When I saw that their conduct was not in step, that's a big word, in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all. Now notice, this is the awkward moment that we're speaking of. I said to Peter before them all. So he got up on the table at the cafeteria and said, hey, Peter, I need to talk to you. And if everybody else hears me, that's good. Now, Peter, listen up. And this is what he says. If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now, I want you to understand this because this is, this is a pretty powerful moment. Peter is bad to the bone. Peter is an apostle in Jerusalem. He's a top dog. I mean, he's, people touch Peter's handkerchief and get healed. Like, that's, that's pretty serious. I don't know how many handkerchiefs y'all's had. I don't want to have anything to do with your handkerchiefs, and you don't want mine. But he blew his nose, threw it down, and they touched him. They're like, I'm healed. And they're like, this guy's got some power. I mean, Peter got to go on the Mount of Transfiguration, Transformation, Transfiguration. Peter saw Jesus raise people from the dead. Peter walked on water. I mean, we're not talking about like just some little dude. I mean, we're talking about a powerful guy in the church, probably the most powerful guy in the church. And Paul loves Peter enough to confront him to his face. It, it is what happens. Let me read this verse and I'm going to show you why Paul did this. Galatians chapter six, verse one, watch this. It says, brothers, we're going to read this in a, in a couple of weeks again. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. If you are spiritual, you should restore him. Underline that word, restore him. Um, and I'll give you an actual visual <laughs> imagery of this. So one of the things that I used to love to do with my, and I still do, I love doing it with my boys. I'm a lot more cautious now with my boys. Is uh, I don't know, any of you dads do this. You love just throwing your kids up in the air. Throwing them up, and then mom's like, ah! and you catch them, and you throw them back up, and all that. And, and I would love to take my boys by both hands and just swing them. You know what I mean? It's like a propeller. I mean, and then by the time it's over, you know, you're both like, you know, I can't do that as much anymore. But I used to do that all the time. And one time I did that. I was swinging, 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 swinging. And I stopped, and Josiah started screaming, screaming. I'm like, what, what's going on? I mean, I didn't hit anybody. I don't think anything happened. What's going on? Screaming, 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 screaming. Well, come to find out, I pulled his arm out of socket. Pulled it up. Just popped it out. Oh, yeah. Awesome dad. Dad of the year. Um, <laughs> I popped Joel's line. I pulled my kid's arms out of socket. And so my mom calls me and says, you've got to reset it. I'm like, how do you do that? She said, I'll send you a video. Because what actually happened, my younger brother, he would have this all the time. He'd be on the monkey bars and pop, pop it out, playing with people, he'd pop it out. 
And the, the doctor actually taught my parents how to actually reset it back into place. So she sent me a video of her hold, hold your hand this way and hold your hand this way and then push and turn at the same time. I'm like, okay. I'm like, baby, you ready? <laughs> so I got, I got Saya's arm and I mean, I'm going, going to turn and it's like, you know, it's like so loud. There's nothing coming out. And it, it's not resetting. And I'm just pushing and pushing and pushing. Get in. No, I don't, I don't do that. And so finally, you know, my mom's like, no, you got to put your thumb here and do there. And she's like, when you do it, you're going to hear a pop. And I put it in. Popped in. And literally 10 seconds later, he's off running. It's all good. When it, was, when it was out of socket, hurt like crazy. When it was in socket, it's good to go. Paul said, Peter, you're out of step. You're out of sync. You're, you are out of socket with the gospel. And Paul, loving him so much, said, I will engage in this confrontation with you because I love you so much, I'll reset this and risk the relationship. Because how many know anytime you do that, you risk the relationship? How many know when I'm standing there hurting him, it doesn't seem right because it seems like I'm hurting him more. Y'all with me here? I'm hurting my son more. He's screaming at me going, how can you do this to me? How can? And I finally, when it pops, he's like, thanks, Dad. But in the midst of the pain, it doesn't feel good. In the midst of, y'all with me here? Come on, I hope you get the deeper meaning here. And Paul is saying, listen, you brothers, you who are spiritual, restore your other brothers who have fallen into transgressions with a spirit of gentleness. Don't hold out. You need to speak truth. And that's why I say here, my, my relationships determine my direction. Restore literally means to reset a broken bone. Nobody in here goes into the hospital and tells the doctor, I have a lot of pain. He says, we're going to have to do surgery. We're going to have to cut on you, and, but I'm going to get it out. And you go, no, I don't want the cut. I don't want the cut. I don't want the cut. You understand that the cut is coming so you can have healing. You're, that's what you're understanding. You're understanding that he is taking out something. He's not a butcher trying to hurt you to hurt you. He's going in to cut to heal. And this is Paul that's happening right there. Now listen very closely when I say this. Paul loved Peter. And he loved him so much that he didn't ignore the wrong and hope that it went away. Notice, he went to Peter and said, we've got to deal with this. Peter didn't go to him. He went to Peter. Love doesn't turn its back on you because you're wrong. Paul didn't say, oh, I'm not, I don't, forget Peter, I'm done with him. He doesn't do that. Love doesn't go passive. It doesn't stay silent. Listen, anybody can call out your sin. Anybody can. But spiritual people, which Galatians chapter 6 says, spiritual people don't just call out sin for what it is. They ask the questions of why are you sinning? What's going on in your heart? What is going on there? And let me just tell you this. This is not fun. Nobody enjoys this. 
But I will promise you this. I would much rather somebody that loves me and is a friend stab me in the front than stab me in the back. And too often in church, listen to me, people. Too often in church, we say that we don't want to confront because, oh, I just love them. I don't want to hurt them. You're hurting them already. The truth is, it's not that you don't love them. It's just you love yourself more. I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens on this. But if we are people who truly love each other. Now, I'm not saying in a condemning, judgmental, criticizing way, by all means. Because if somebody's coming in going, you're sinning with this, and you're sinning with this, and you're sinning with this, and they bail, that's not someone who's spiritual. But someone who comes in as a loving father, come on, isn't that what you do with your kids? You love your kids enough to go, you cannot play in the street. Dad, that's where all the fun is. I know, but that's where all the death is too. You see those squirrels? That's you. That's you. So is a, is a father more loving or unloving when he lets his kids play in somewhere that can kill them? He's unloving, right? Hands down, this is the hardest part of a pastor's job. As Tracy knows it, Lindsay knows it, our elders know it. There's, there's no fun in this. But if you don't love somebody, then you'll just remain silent. But if you love somebody, you'll say, we got to talk about this because I want to see healing. I want to see healing. Healing is our heart. Healing is our hope. The gospel demands that we love each other in this way. So here's the question that I, that I have. Do you have any people around you who will actually tell you the truth? You find out a lot about that. Will they willingly say, I don't agree with you. I think you're wrong. I think this is what the Bible, and point you to Jesus. Not just tell you wrong and you're wrong, but point you to Jesus. This is where the Bible says it. That is a lie you're believing. This is what the Bible says. Because only if you want to be people who live by the fruit of the Spirit will you invite people like that that will redirect you and reset you. And how many of you are thankful? I am so thankful. Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy have invited me over and said, Josh, we need to talk. And I'm like, crap. And we sat down and they said, you're full of pride or this is going on in your marriage or this is what you need to deal with. And, and, and how many know when that's happening, you're not like, yes, keep bringing it on. What else? What else? Come. But how many know you walk out of there and you go, God, thank you for loving me enough. Thank you for loving me enough. My marriage is better for that. I'm a better pastor for that. I'm a better husband for that. I'm, you know what I mean? But nobody, nobody wants that. But it's what we need. And Paul is not going to correct Peter's behavior. If you go and you continue to read, he doesn't correct his behavior. He goes after his heart. He doesn't say, stop that and go eat with them. He doesn't do that. He says, can I remind you of the gospel? Can I remind you that you're not justified by your works? Can I remind you? And that's how you know it's someone who's spiritual because they'll remind you of who you are. Can I remind you? You are not prideful. The humility of God is on you if you'll take it and you'll choose. Y'all with me here? Someone will be gracious to you. You are a daughter of the king. There's no condemnation or judgment there. This is not you. And last but not least, if, if I didn't dig myself already in a hole and you don't like me, which I don't care, point number one, I don't care what you think. I'm working on it, but okay. Point number four, my life is not my own. 
My life is not my own. Galatians 2.20. This is, this is the coffee cup verse. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, there will be an, an unreal amount of freedom that you will experience if you will get this one point. If you forget all other three and get this one, some change are going to come off. Listen to me. Galatians 2, 20 verse 21. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. It's good stuff. Now listen here. I have been crucified with Christ. Christ has been crucified, but I have been crucified. I have been crucified with him. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I'm going to blow it this week. You're going to blow it this week. And I don't know if that, that hurts you to know that your pastor's not holier than you, but I'm going to blow it. It's going to happen. But I am so grateful and so thankful that when I read this verse, that, that I have died to that, Christ now lives in me, and when Christ, when the Father sees me, he sees Jesus. And so every day, listen to me, every day is Good Friday. Every day is Good Friday. Every day is Jesus paid for that. Jesus paid for that. Jesus paid for that. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am accepted. Because of the cross, I am accepted and loved. And every day is Good Friday, even though it don't feel like Friday. But every day is Good Friday in your life. If you will accept the gospel for what it is, that there's nothing you can add to it, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. This is Good Friday, T-G-I-F. Thank God it's Friday. And you need to understand that you've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you that lives. And the gospel is good news because it's for you, but it's not about you. It is for you, but it's not about you. And, and the sooner we can come to this revelation that it's not about me. My life is not my own. I mean, have you ever noticed the more that you focus on getting better, the worse you get? Have you noticed that? 221 is saying, I'm, I don't treat the grace of God meaninglessly because if I could keep the law and do this on my own, I don't need Jesus. And the truth is, every time we go, I got this, Jesus, I got this, I got this. The crazy thing is, you can't be the problem and the solution at the same time. And you are the problem. I, I'm, I counseled two people this week and they come in and they're, they're sitting with me and telling me all the things that they're going to do to get better. I'm like, you're the problem. You can't fix this. If you could have, you wouldn't be sitting in my office. But you're sitting in my office because you can't fix it and you need something outside of you to come in and fix the inside of you. And so the more I focus on me and how I'm doing, the less I focus on Christ and what he's done. The more it's inward, the more it's about me, the more paralyzed and weak I'm going to be. So here is my encouragement to you. Get over yourself. <laughs> celebrate Jesus. Don't celebrate you. Celebrate Jesus. Focus on Jesus. See, because here's the deal, and we learn this from Peter. Peter was a beast. 
He was a beast when he focused on Jesus. The man walked on water when he focused on Jesus. The man did incredible stuff when he focused on Jesus. But every time he took his eyes off of Jesus, he became a buffoon. Every time he took his eyes off of Jesus, he was sinking. Every time he took his eyes off of Jesus, he was having Jesus rebuke him. <laughs> Every time he got his eyes off of Jesus, he, he denied Jesus three times. Why? Took his eyes off of Jesus. And every time you and I take our eyes off of Jesus, we are buffoons. We make stupid decisions. We do things we shouldn't do. And my encouragement to you is the only way for you to come to terms with my life is not my own is when you focus on Jesus and li- li- realize that his life was not his own and he gave me his life. And now the least that I can do is in turn give my life back to him. Amen. And I am encouraged by this story because if Peter and if Barnabas drifted away from the gospel and swung back to the other side, then we most definitely can too. And I'm encouraged by this, and I want to wrap all this up with this quote from Martin Luther. This is what Martin Luther King, I actually put it on the screen. I want us to read this together. He said this, It is a great comfort that the Bible records many celebrated people falling into huge sins. Such errors are given to us so that those who are troubled and desperate may find comfort and that those who are proud may be afraid. Now watch this next part. No man has ever fallen so grievously that he could not have stood up again. And no one has such a sure footing that he cannot fail. If Peter fell, I too may fail, may fall. And if he stood up again, so can I. I'm so happy that we can do this. Listen, we got this spirit of smash mouth in here. I fall down. I get knocked down. But I get up again. That's who? Chumpawampa. Okay, thank you. You sure? Okay, let's Google that. All right. Come on, you need it. We can be whoever you want. It's you. I, that, that's Jesus. Okay, that's Jesus. They took it from Jesus. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Ain't nobody going to keep me down. I get knocked down, I get up again. Ain't nobody going to keep me down. That's actually biblical. Proverbs twenty four sixteen: the godly may trip seven times, but they get up again. They get up again. Hey, listen. I knew this message wasn't going to be all cheers. But I love you so much. I love you so much to tell you the truth. That it's not about the approval of man. You're going to live literally from one place to another if you're always looking for the approval and acceptance of people. It is a miserable life. It's an exhausting life. I've been there and I'm telling you, please don't go there. Jesus is so much better. Your faith and your fears are contagious. Your faith and your fears, they are contagious. The relationships that you have in your life will determine your direction. If you have great godly relationships in your life, they will help you stay the course that you need to stay. And if you have people that have no desire to love God, no desire to pursue God, no desire to serve God, at at some point you will join them if you have not already. And then last but not least, your, your life's not your own. It's not your own. I'm sorry to tell you, but you died. And when you died, you died. You did. And if you're in Christ, Christ is alive in you. So that means you can't, we shouldn't get offended because dead people don't get offended. 
We shouldn't be critical of others because dead people can't be critical. Y'all with me here? If, If the Spirit of God is alive in us, we are new creations, new and all things are new. That's the freedom that God brings us. So all across this room, I want us to pray. And I believe the Spirit of God here is, is, is encouraging and speaking to, to many of you in this place. And maybe you're like me. You've, you've detoured. You've pulled back. You have, you have fallen back to another gospel at times. And, and you struggle. You feel this tension of kind of swinging back over to fleshly life, doing things my way. You, you've been there. And, Maybe that's been all of you. You've never, you've never trusted God. You've never surrendered to God. It's always been about you and your, your life, your ways. And, and, and God is here to invite you, to invite you to come. Invite you to come, experience his peace, his joy, his life. Freedom. Freedom from the chains of people's approval. Freedom from the chains of having to perform. And that's you in this place. And you say, you know, Pastor Josh, first and foremost, I, those in here that have never surrendered to Jesus, you've never put him first in your life. You've never turned from your sins and trusted in his saving work for you. If that's you in this place, all across this room, I want you just right there where you are, just to raise your hand right where you are. And we want to pray over you. Okay. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? For those of you that are in here and you would say that you, you struggle with the same struggles that, that I struggle with and I think many of us do. Maybe this was just one of those weeks where you just swung to that other side and it's just been a week of flesh, a week of... And your, your prayer is, God, help me to stay in the gospel. Help me to live out the fact that I am approved, accepted, and I need the Holy Spirit's help daily to make this decision to do that. I want to pray for you as well. Would you put your hand up all across this room? That's me. That's me. Hey, would you just keep your hand up right there where you are? Just keep your hands up. And then those who lifted their hands in a minute, you can just keep your hands up as well. And I want to pray over you. I want to pray that God would help us. Spirit of God would give us grace and mercy that he's so lavished upon us, but that he would give us the power to to overcome the flesh, to crucify our flesh, to wake up every day going, it's not about me and my desires. It's not about my life. It's, It's about giving my life away. So, Father, we pray right now, Lord, I pray over your people. I pray, God, that you would, as you have spoken to them, God, that this would not, this isn't, this isn't condemnation. God, this isn't condemnation we're feeling. This is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that, God, you're drawing us. You're wooing us back into right relationship with you because in your grace and in your mercy and in, in the way that you've even called us to live life, there, there is joy forevermore. God, there's great pleasures when we're in your presence. And so, God, I pray that we would be people that would be sensitive to the presence of God, that we would be people that are sensitive to to when when our heart drifts. God, I pray that you would forge even stronger and deeper community and relationships in this room. God, that people would, would, would pull people in and invite people in to say, hey, help me. Help me. I need help. My heart is drifting and I can't even see it sometimes. I don't like where I am and I need help. God, I pray, Lord, that there there would be a humility in that. God, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage your people. Because I thank you that when we're weak, you're strong. When we fail, you succeed. God, where, where we fall short, you are victorious. 
So God, we just come to you today. We submit ourselves before you and we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and for who you are. In Jesus' name. And everyone said...